Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, for sure. And not a conventional open there, but it's not a conventional day. And I'm sure you know what we're doing here. And this is going to be a two-part episode, no doubt. Uh, Could have done multiple parts. We're going to keep it to two. And this is for Tom Petty. No doubt about it. I've said this many times on the show over the years. I'm not trying to make this about me, but I'm going to tell you about my personal history and fandom of Tom Petty over the years and give you an insight as to why I'm such a big fan. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind why the world was such a big fan. And even if you just narrow it down to American music, I've said many times over the years that there are really only two acts that have ever existed that completely nailed down American music. And that was the Beach Boys and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And I will continue to say that because I believe it to be an absolute truth. Uh, Of course, we lost Tom Petty yesterday, the great iconic Tom Petty, on a day where we didn't need to lose any more people. That's for damn sure. It was a terrible day yesterday. Uh, There was a domestic act of terror in Las Vegas. And (laughs) I got married out in Las Vegas, and I was having a hard enough day. And I'm not trying to make this all about me, but, you know, we can't help it at times. And so I was just you know, down the dumps yesterday and felt helpless and I couldn't do anything. And then Tom Petty goes and dies and I'm not mad at him. How can you be mad at Tom? He gave us some of the best music ever recorded ever. And like I said, nailed down the American experience. I never met the man, but I know that if I ever did, I don't think I could help myself in telling him that I believe that he outdid his heroes. Guys like Dylan, he'd probably get mad at me for telling him that, but I believe that to, once again, be an absolute truth. Uh, You know, it's in his lyrics, it's in everything about the presentation of the music, and of course, never, ever discount the Heartbreakers, because they help steer that ship equally with Tom, and this one, of course, these episodes are dedicated to Tom, Mike Campbell, Bent Montench, those two guys were there from day one, and were there by his side the entire time. Also for Stan and Ron and Howie, the late, great Howie, Scott Thurston, Steve Ferroni. Uh, it's just, uh, uh, I feel for you guys today. I really do. <laughs> I can only imagine how you feel. And of course, Tom's family and his extended family, his extended music family. And that's the thing about his music. We all felt like family when we heard his music. And my wife taking it especially hard, as hard as me, which is a a big thing when it comes to music deaths. Uh, so that really hit me a lot, how how hard she took it. So this is not any kind of forced uh, obligation. This is an merely an obligation out of love and respect for Tom Petty. So this one's from the heart, two-part episode dedicated to the great Tom Petty. It's the best of everything, as, uh, as he'd like to say. So we're going to focus on every one of his studio albums and a couple of surprises in between. So we kick things off there with a track from his eponymous debut album, Anything That's Rock and Roll. And there's almost not a better intro for a show like Rock Strikes 10 than that. So, you know, the first two Tom Petty records, very basic meat and potatoes, straight ahead rock and roll. And at a time, I'm sure 
I wasn't alive when that record came out in 1976. I was born in 79, but I can imagine just a straight-ahead rock band in that time during disco and metal bubbling up and punk rock bubbling up and you know early versions of new wave bands and electronic bands and dance and all that kind of stuff. I can imagine that Tom Penny and the Heartbreakers were almost considered a novelty at that point. Like, oh, they're rehashing old rock and roll. So, <laughs> And I think England saw them as punk rockers, from what I understand, just watching the uh, the great Running Down a Dream documentary. And so that that's kind of funny to me. <laughs> they were like sort of groundbreaking when they came out, even though they would be the last people to tell you that. So the, the first album is super fun. Of course, American Girl and Breakdown are classic rock staples. You're going to hear them on the radio every day for the rest of your lives and other lives. Even those two songs aside, I think the two songs that Tom and Mike wrote together, which was uh, the first song on the album, Rockin' Around With You, and the one I just played, Anything That's Rock and Roll, those are big standouts on that record. So, of course, I recommend you check out the first Petty record. We're going to play something now off of the sophomore record by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. The album is called You're Gonna Get It, and this one is Too Much Ain't Enough.
Too Much Ain't Enough right there from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers second record. You're going to get it. Of course, uh, pretty much as stellar as the first one. Maybe even a little better. I'm not sure. I kind of go back and forth. I think I like the first one more than you're going to get it, but that's by a hair. I mean, of course, the big singles off of that, Listen to Her Heart and I Need to Know, uh, already elements of you know evolution in the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers sound which would carry over to the third album and what would prove to be one of their best albums of all time, not only in my opinion, but the record-buying public's opinion and critics alike. Damn the Torpedoes, 1979, the year of my birth. And, you know, when we do these shows, I think a lot of us do this. I'm just kind of pulling the curtain back here. Uh, We hit the wiki up, and I, I look for interesting credits of performances. That's really where my journey is on Wikipedia, but... You know, they always have that wrap-up People Magazine version at the top that gives you that one paragraph that basically sums up everything most people want to know when they're referencing something. But I love the fact that on the Rolling Stone Top 500 Albums list of all time, that Damn the Torpedoes is ranked 313, which 313 is my birthday. So I love that. And Damn the Torpedoes was the first petty record that I ever heard. I mentioned many times ad nauseum on this show before that I grew up in a country western household, but Damn the Torpedoes made it into my household, and I believe it to be one of the albums that really steered me in the right direction musically, so I am always going to love this record. It's a damn near perfect record. The album tracks are great. Of course, the singles are monsters, Refugee, Don't Do Me Like That, stuff like that, but For me, it has one of the greatest album closers of all time, and also making it about me growing up in that household. I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and massively popped for the fact that the song is called Louisiana Rain, and not only that, but it references my hometown of Baton Rouge as well. But all that aside, the song is amazing, just highly emotional, and one, just one of those great album closers, like I said. So if you've never heard this before, you're in for a treat. You're probably in for a lot of treats here on this episode. So these are the boys from the Damn the Torpedoes record with Louisiana Rain.
the great Louisiana Rain from the great and must-own record Damn the Torpedoes. And this is where we get to that really early point in a band's musical career where you have an album that big that it's almost impossible to follow up. So like Damn the Torpedoes sells millions of records and there are like four strong singles or radio staples on it. Refugee, Here Comes My Girl, Even the Losers, and Don't Do Me Like That. And even if you dig deeper on it, I mean, they're just damn near all perfect songs. Love this record. Hard Promises had a lot to live up to. It took them two years to put it out, first of all, which in the late 70s and early 80s, that's a lifetime. That's a career. <laughs> so I feel like the all the pressure was there, and I don't think the album sold as much. Uh, once again, I'm going to reference the Running Down a Dream documentary a lot when it comes to these two episodes, but there was that whole hubbub about the label was going to raise the record price on their shoulders and there was a massive objection to it and i love tom always said well we'll just call the album 898 if you're going to do that <laughs> so love tom a true rebel a true champion of the people but you know in retrospect hard promises is a damn solid record i don't know is is there anybody out there that likes hard promises more than damn the torpedoes i know it's not a competition but i'd be curious because, you know, even if like you were making the ultimate Tom Petty box set, there's still at least three or four songs I would pull off of Hard Promises uh, to represent this record. And they wouldn't be stinkers at all. I mean, The Waiting, A Woman in Love, Insider. And the funny thing about that, that's during this Jimmy Iovine period because Jimmy produced Damn the Torpedoes. Jimmy was with Stevie Nicks and brought Stevie Nicks into the fold. So they go and do Stop Dragging My Heart Around, which becomes Stevie's single. And it killed off a woman in love on the charts. So, but no tension. They they all still loved each other. But uh, like I said, there's four really huge, strong tracks in addition to just the great album tracks on Hard Promises. It's almost not a bad song on this one either. This one, I guess, is considered an album track because it wasn't like a big single or anything. But I always loved the fact that it it was kind of always in the mix on the set list when you go see them live. So this is one of my personal favorites from Hard Promises. This is The Night Watchman.
going on record calling that song the greatest Joe Walsh song that Joe Walsh never wrote. Night Watchman there from Hard Promises. Great song. Let me know what you think. And if I just gave you a wow moment, that's what I try to do here on this show. And it only took one year to put out the follow-up, which was pretty industry standard at that point. Like I said, Hard Promises coming out two years after the previous album was a big deal. So they were back on track with putting out Long After Dark in 1982. I am a kid who is the earliest MTV generation. So seeing the first concept video, You Got Lucky, uh, that was that was a big deal for me. And I didn't quite know what the video was about. I don't know if I still know what the video is about. I don't know if they know exactly what the video is about. It's just a little conceptual video that they spend a few bucks on. But whether you're watching the video or just listening to it on the headphones, You Got Lucky is an amazing single. But it kind of almost paints Long After Dark as being a one-song record, and it's not. There is a lot of cool tracks on Long After Dark, and it's the beginning of a different era for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers because Ron Blair is out of the band at this point. And according to that great Running Down a Dream documentary, Tom talked about how he either went back to Florida or he stayed in California. I can't remember which one, but he start, he said he opened up a surf shop so he gets to hang out with girls in bikinis all day. So he's doing just fine. <laughs> Ron would make his way back into the picture later on, but that's for part two. So they bring in a guy that they stole from Del Shannon's band, Howie Epstein, who was Del's band leader. This guy not only could play bass and keep a band in check, but those background vocals were just another element that got brought into this band that made them a better band. So massive, massive respect to Howie Epstein and what he did for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So that's why I'm going to feature this song here from Long After Dark. This was proof positive that there was a new sheriff in town and he was really pulling his weight. This Listen for him in the background here. You're going to hear the difference. This is Change of Heart.
that the great song change of heart there from long after dark 1982 and it would be another three years before the next tom petty and the heartbreakers record which man i was talking about how it was two years earlier between some of their records but three years between 82 and 85 that that is definitely a whole career especially in the 80s my goodness took them two years from pre-production to final mix for southern accents but it would prove to be time well spent because this is what turned me into just like a casual listener and i heard him around the house and i heard him on the radio and saw him on the television to where i was like mom please buy me this record and that's where i really became the fan that i am so southern accents you know what comes first the the rest don't stand a chance it's almost by default my favorite tom petty record i don't know if uh, i'm not saying it's his best ever but it's up there for me massive affinity you guys know what i'm talking about the nostalgia factor but it doesn't just hold its merit on nostalgia there are some quality tunes on here i had the hardest time picking the representative for this album more so than any of them so as i'm going to do from time to time here on these two parts kind of a champion of the flop single as i like to call it uh just the song that didn't stand a chance maybe the thing that came before it was so big its momentum was still going at the time where they were trying to push a new song out there and it just fell on its face and the other thing that stuck with me about this of course the iconic video for don't come around here no more which still disturbs me to this day they they made like a loose sequel to it and i don't think a lot of people saw this video maybe they still haven't seen it so you can go youtube this one the song is the first song on side two it's called make it better and in parentheses forget about me Turn it up.
about me, forget about these eyes, forget about love, say goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, Make It Better, Forget About Me, from Southern Accents, an album that was released on my best friend Chris's fifth birthday, March 26, 1985. My favorite fun fact about that record. And looking through the production credits on here and the performance credits, uh, something I needed to discuss that I forgot to do on the previous entries here as it concerns the bass player credit, Donald Duck Dunn from Stax Records. Uh, ghosted on three separate tracks uh, on the first album and then on Damn the Torpedoes and Hard Promises. So that's a fun fact for you. Also, as it concerns the bass and the Southern Accents record, Ron Blair came back and played bass on the best of everything on Southern Accents. There's another fun fact. I didn't know that either. Maybe they mentioned it in the documentary, but man, that great documentary is like four hours plus. So if I forgot a few things about it, you have to forgive me. It's, like I said, if you haven't seen that, that is required viewing. I'm a big fan of the Rock Doc. That might be the best one ever done uh, about anybody or anything. (laughs) So go watch Running Down a Dream and pick up Southern Accents if you haven't already. Just a phenomenal record. And before we get to the follow-up studio record, the first official live album came out the same year in 1985, Pack Up the Plantations, which was a double LP and cool thing about this record and i wish more bands would do this when they do their live records exclusive performances that you can't get on any other record Uh, quite a handful of cover songs on this one in addition to the hits that you need to snag the record buying public with but songs you just won't hear on anything else they cover needles and pens which was actually a song written by sonny bono that many people recorded and Stevie Nicks does a duet with them on that. Uh, they do a version of Shout. They do Don't Bring Me Down. I mean, it's just a cool live record. No frills. I can't imagine that any of it was touched up. But I guess all live albums are touched up in some way or another. But it sounds pure and raw. And I wanted to take the opportunity to play a great Tom Petty single that you didn't hear on one of the previous entries. But I'm not a total dick. So... Let's have some fun here from Pack Up the Plantations. This is Refugee. Refugee. 
right, some live refugee there from Pack Up the Plantation Live. That was recorded in Los Angeles in the summer of 1985, and that album came out very shortly afterwards. So they were just on a roll here. But then once again, right here, we got a two-year gap between releases, which is wild. And I remember it taking a long time. Like, this is where I was a big fan, waiting for my new Tom Petty record, and it didn't show up until 1987. But the album did show up finally. It was called Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. Interesting cover. It's a five-layered photo of the different band members making the same yell face. And it's it's interesting. I always tried to figure out who was who. I mean, sometimes it was harder than others, especially on the ends there. But I never quite figured it out. But this is another one of those examples that I'm going to talk about like I did for Southern Accents. And there's some cool tracks on here, too. I mean, It'll All Work Out has become a favorite of the band's live. I know that they, they play that quite a bit. And it seemed like over the years they almost disassociated themselves from this record. And I, I don't know why. There's there's cool tunes on here, maybe just because it kind of maybe flopped in the sales. I, I think it's only been certified gold, where I think Southern Accents at least pulled in a few million, so... Maybe that's it. Maybe they were just embarrassed by it. But there's even songs like it's probably their most 80 sounding record with the exception of a couple of things on Southern Accents, of course. But they could get as 80s as they wanted to and for some reason never lost the heart and soul of what they're truly about. Even a song on Let Me Up called Runaway Trains is probably the most 80 sounding song they've ever done. But it still never goes away from the true intention of the band. So... It's an interesting album if you haven't heard it. It's a lost album for sure. Even so much so that the lead single that I'm going to feature here, it's another one of those, It's I guess it's a flop single, but they say here in the stats that it was number one on the rock charts for a whole month. So how could this be a flop single? Well, they determined that it was because they didn't even include it on the greatest hits. And it didn't really get its, I mean, it's on the box set and it's on the double disc anthology because it was undeniable to be on those. But the fact that it wasn't on the single disc greatest hits, I think, is a crime. So I'm going to right the wrong here and give it some justice. This is a song which I also found out. I was shocked to find out that not only did Tom and Mike Campbell write this song, but they wrote it with Bob Dylan. So I guess they wrote it when they toured together in 86, which I think was another reason which led to the delay on this record. So now that all comes together in my head. So once again, justice for jamming me. So yes, turn it up for jamming me. Such a great song.
track and single from 1987's Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. That was Jammin' Me by the great Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And, you know, I know I probably sounded really morose at the beginning of the episode, and rightfully so, but, man, just listening to these songs, and I did this last night when, you know, the, the actual confirmation went down that he had passed on and left this world, just... And it's never a chore for me to hit up Tom Petty Radio on Sirius XM. It always seems like a good idea, and it always proves to be a good idea. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I started to feel better. I feel better this morning listening to these songs again. I hope you are on the same journey that I am, and that this is really helping. And I'm, I'm really glad I'm doing this. It, like, to hit record today was really rough, and... I feel a lot better now, so just hang in there with me, and I'm going to put both of these out today. I've decided I'm just putting them out, no hype, and just let's have some fun with it. Let's let's deal. And I mentioned Tom Petty Radio and Sirius XM just earlier, and I'm glad I did, because I found out that this version of this next song existed by listening to the great Tom Petty Radio. Now, of course, in the timeline, it's time for the Traveling Wilburys era. And for those of you who are around my age or older, for sure, I'm sure that's most of you out there, but when the Traveling Wilburys came around, we, I think most of us all just perceived that, oh, this is neat. It's like this huge all-star supergroup, and Tom Petty's like the young upstart, you know, so much so that he was, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, delegated to playing bass in the band for the most part. So Tom was like the young pup, especially by comparison of age, in the Traveling Wilburys. Now the cool thing is now, when I talk to people about the Traveling Wilburys, people that are younger than me, whether it's a year younger like Chris, and we had this conversation, or people that weren't even alive when the first Traveling Wilburys album came out, the cool thing is now, I think for the younger people, that this was not like a weird thing that Tom was part of the traveling Wilburys. They see them as equals to each other. And that to me just gets me right there, right in the heart. I think that's beautiful. And from now on and forever, that's the way it should be perceived. Tom was an equal to these guys just because he came along at a later time. Doesn't make him any less great than any of these other guys. If anything, I like him more than most of the guys, and I'm not trying to be a dick, that's just my opinion, you know, love me some Roy, love me some George, love Jeff Lynn, so, I, I hurt for Jeff today, man, like, I can only imagine, he's, he's seen his brothers uh, go away from him, ever since pretty much day one of the Wilburys, so, my heart goes out to you, Jeff, I'd love to see you live, I'd love to see you come to town, and play a couple of Tom Petty tunes, maybe even this one, who knows, but, uh, Talking about Tom Petty Radio, I heard this version come up last year on the channel, and I was excited to hear it because this was almost kind of secretly my favorite song on the first Traveling Wilburys record because it's strictly just a Bob Dylan song, and I'm not a Bob Dylan fan. I'm just not. I've given him all the chances in the world. All my heroes love him. All, you know, Tom Petty, Alice Cooper, they all give it up for him, but I'm, I'm just not a fan. I've tried. I respect his writing, so I dig him as a writer, just not as a singer or performer. And even now, by all accounts, even by his biggest of fans, he sucks live. But I just love 
Tweeter and the Monkey Man. I think it's such a cool, neat song, and I've always loved it. And so I'm going to play that song to represent the first Traveling Wilburys album. But the twist is this performance that I heard on Sirius XM, and I had to go grab this one through some sort of maybe illegal means. But hey, man, I, I just wanted to use the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers version of Tweeter and the Monkey Man. This is live from 2013. I hope you enjoy this. Check it out.
probably cornered him Said, boy, you didn't think this could last Jan jumped out of bed Said, there's somewhere I gotta go She took a gun out of the drawer Said, it's best that you don't know The undercover cop was found Face down in a field The monkey man was on the river bridge Using Tweeter as a shield Jan said to the monkey man I'm not fooled by Tweeter's curl And you had long before He ever became a Jersey girl And the walls came down All the way to hell Never saw them when they're standing Never saw them when they fell
All right, that was a live version of Tweeter and the Monkey Man by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, a song that originally came out on the first Traveling Wilburys album, which was written and sung lead on by Bob Dylan. I really hope you enjoyed that, and hopefully that's why you tune in to a show like this. All right, let's close off part one here, and it really is the end of part one, even as an era for Tom with the momentum of being a Wilbury and the access to these people. And I think also by the lack of commercial performance of let me up. I had enough. He uh, was like, I'm going to go do a solo record. And according to what I've seen and read, he got Jeff Lynn and they basically recorded this album in his garage. And then just random people would show up. Most of the heartbreakers are on this record with, I think, the exception of Stan Lynch. I don't even know if he's on A-Track, but pretty much all the other Heartbreakers make appearances on there, and Full Moon Fever turns out to be this monster record. I mean, this is just one of those damn near perfect records. Even, like, the songs that are kind of like filler are still really fun. This album just hits on all cylinders. It really is one of the true great albums he ever put out. Uh, It's sold in the millions songs were played on mtv all the freaking time it's just one of those once in a lifetime albums full moon fever is as good as everybody says it is you should own it and i can't think of a better way to close off part one than with this song it's always been my personal favorite song on the album since the first day i heard it and when i finally had the honor of going to see him perform live which was on the wildflowers tour i'll talk more about that later I was so happy that he opened up the show with this song. So, closing out part one of Rock Strikes 10's tribute here to Tom Petty, this is Love is a Long Road.
Love is a Long Road, the third track on the damn near flawless Full Moon Fever. With all due respect to songs like Free Fallen, I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream. By the way, I Won't Back Down is one of those songs that's been played a billion times in my ears. Still not sick of it. It is one of the greatest songs ever recorded, ever. It's just so damn cool. But I do love me some Love is a Long Road. That's just my, you know, anti-commercialism sneaking in there. But such a strong song. And obviously it is because that was consistently played live by the band. So I'm really glad that that song found a home somewhere, even if it isn't so much in the public conscious. All right, we're going to get out of here. Please join me on part two. Part two should be pretty much already up by the time you're listening to this. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. So I'm not trying to make this all about me. This is all about Tom. But if you like what you heard here, check out cnjradio.com for every episode of Rock Strikes 10. And all the other shows that we do are all highly recommended, and I would appreciate it. And I dedicated this to Tom and the Heartbreakers and his family and his extended musical family, my wife, Nola. I also want to throw out a a massive dedication to two great friends of the Rock Strikes Tim podcast, Todd Cunningham and Pete LaRussa. These episodes are also massively for you guys. Uh, We're going to close off here with Pete and the boys from Space Beard because he deserves to be a part of this tribute as well. So take it away, Pete, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Have fun.